As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton Football Club podcast. It's the day after the big day, transfer deadline day. The window's closed and as ever, I'll be here, Greg O'Keefe, with my colleague Paddy Boyland to discuss all Everton's uh, ins and outs and meanwhile, their progress on the pitch. But let's start with the last day of business. Pad, a couple of late signings, one extremely late and one first thing yesterday morning, but both important in, in their own ways, both intriguing in their own ways. To start with Ben Godfrey, um, we'd written about that over the weekend. How do you rank it as a signing in the window? It feels like it's flown under the radar in terms of like the wider media. What do you make of it? I wish Everton had told us that they were going to bookend the, the day by the two big signings. So Ben Godfrey, I think it was 9am, wasn't it? And yeah. Robin Olsen, much later, around 10.30. If they told us that, we could have taken the, the, the spell off in the middle and, uh, and <laughs> yeah. kind of just, just had a, a much easier day than we eventually did. Um, but yeah, jo- jokes aside, we, we understand that the initial sum Everton will pay, so the guaranteed amount, is £20 million. It will rise to become Norwich City's record sale. Now that, according to our colleague Michael Bailey, is around the £24 million mark. So it gives you an indication of the, the bonuses they're expecting to receive there. Mm. But I've, I mean, I've spoken to several people, as, as I know you have, who have tracked Godfrey's progress. And we're all well aware of the current financial climate in the market. And I've not had one suggestion yet that this doesn't represent good business for Everton. Um, Godfrey is he's only 22. But it was really interesting that when he was first called up for the England under 21 side that he more or less straight away not only went into the starting lineup but he became captain as well he was given the captain's armband which I which I think speaks volumes about a young player and his potential leadership capabilities as well as his footballing ones as well let's be honest Michael Bailey our Norwich correspondent I've mentioned there has, has spoken in very positive terms about Ben and it just done it in a whole load of ways this is the sign I think I like to see Everton making they they brought in depth at centre-back. He'll be able to push the lads that are there already. And we've already seen what competition does, increased competition does to the Everton squad. You get better performances from people like Gilfie Sigurdsson, Seamus Coleman. Anybody 
that notionally would be less secure in the in the in their place in the in the starting lineup. And Godfrey will come in and add to that. Michael Keane and Yerry Mina now will have to absolutely raise their games. And it's no surprise to me that Ben Godfrey was at Goodison on, on Saturday, we believe, for the for the game against Brighton. And no surprise to me whatsoever that we saw Yerry Mina, what I would consider to be, and I know from, from conversations with you in private, Greg, what you would consider to be his best performance in an Everton shirt. I thought he was absolutely outstanding, throwing his way in front of everything, being a, a dominant presence in the air in both boxes, scoring a goal. And that, that's what it does. So let's just hear from our Norwich correspondent, Michael Bailey, about what he's seen of Godfrey now. It's obviously a fair amount of money, but probably at least what he's worth, I would say, having having watched him. I've seen him progress. I saw him spend his first few years at Norwich where there was real uncertainty over what his best position should be. And I think Daniel Farker has made a, a real effort to try and narrow that down into centre-back where he felt Ben Godfrey could really flourish. And I think he's been proven right. He, albeit playing in a team last season that did struggle defensively, I feel that that was as much down to the balance of the team as Ben himself. He does step out beautifully with the ball. He does have a wonderful range of passing and he he can be quite a, a dangerous attacking threat um, when he sort of drives forward. What I would say is that he was one of the players that I wouldn't have minded if they'd have stayed at Norwich because I felt that having only really played centre-back for a season and a half properly, to have played for another full season, even at championship level, probably would have stood him in good stead because he is still learning the position and in terms of the close defending um, with canny strikers, I think, um, and sometimes those short movements and short bursts uh, and clever little pieces of movement into space in the penalty area, he can sometimes come up short. And he's still learning the position and he's still young. So I I think that Everton supporters and the coaching staff, I'm sure, will appreciate that there's a player there who's got plenty to learn, but a really high ceiling and plenty of of potential there. So I think he's a really exciting prospect. I think it's it's interesting how much patience there will be with him at Everton. And I hope he gets the time to develop the patience and the opportunities to really get a run of games. It's difficult, obviously, an Everton side who have started the season very well. And the expectations are very different at Premier League level compared to Norwich, as will be the scrutiny. But absolutely the potential there. Um, he's got a fantastic character and... I think he knows what he wants and where he wants to get to. And I think that's why in so many ways, it's a great move for him. And uh, I couldn't wish him any more in terms of goodwill. And it'll be great to see how he does up there. Look after him. He has got that mix of physicality, but also the grace on the ball that we've seen. I think, you know, when you look at Gabriel, who was obviously a target and in the end, they decided against it. And, you know, you can sort of look at his start at Arsenal and think, well, we've missed out on a player there. But crucially, with Godfrey, he's got all those those minutes playing, hasn't he? He's got all those Premier League appearances in the bank. And I don't think that's uh, something you can underestimate, really. He's not going to, if he's called upon, he's not going to be out of his comfort zone. In that respect, there's not going to be any adaptability time or time taken to you know find his feet with the physicality of the league and stuff like that. So I think it's a great signing. And then in terms of the sort of the bare economics of football. He's got that resale value that we talk about all the time. Really excited to see more of him, actually. Excited to see him in a blue shirt. And uh, you're right, I don't think that's a given if Yerry Mina can uh, continue the levels he achieved on Saturday. That was definitely, in my book, as you say, his best performance. For a limited time only, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of our writing on the blues and so much more, including my piece this morning, 
reflecting on how Everton's signings during the window have transformed Carlo Ancelotti's side. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod and sign up for just £1 a month. Just moving on to the window in general, because of course, sometimes it's easy to get sort of wrapped up in the last 24, 48 hours and think if you don't buy big or, or get rid of the players you need to, then the window's been a failure. I don't think anybody of a royal blue persuasion would think that, but it is worth just sort of talking about it in general, isn't it? For, for me, it's been eight or nine out of 10 window in many respects. What do you think? Yeah, I would, I would say eight or nine out of 10 as well. Maybe not quite a 10 if we're going to be really picky because as yet they've not signed an option to replace Moise Keane who obviously went out on loan. Maybe you could also suggest that they they could have done potentially with another what you consider to be a winger, somebody to to go like for like after Theo Walcott's departure to Southampton. But I think in in many ways you, you look at players already in the squad and you think you can give extra minutes to Anthony Gordon on the wing, you can probably afford Alex Awobi some greater game time in one of those forward positions too. So that kind of compensates with all the other options they've got, Richarlison and Bernard and James, that kind of compensates for uh, Walcott's departure on loan. Then up front, I mean, we, we started to get indications, didn't we, towards the end of Sunday that they weren't that particularly stressed about getting in a centre forward, that not necessarily that confident given the options that had kind of presented themselves and hadn't presented themselves, but also weren't necessarily desperate to get one anyway. It was more a case of one comes up, yeah, great. But if not, Richarlison can move and play there. Tosin can be the third option once fit again. He can be third choice until January. And then if needs be, there are various other guys that could, could play just off the striker as well, people like Anthony Gordon. So I think we're being very picky if we kind of level that as criticism at anyone at Everton Football Club. I think the window as a whole, particularly in terms of incomings, has been pretty much a resounding success. I put something up last night just asking what people would give the window out of out of 10. Um, and I think about 2,000 people got back and 94% of them said 8 to 10 out of 10 so, so so they tend to agree and this all feeds into the optimism that's that's around Everton Football Club at the moment it's, it's great to cover it it's great to kind of take part in what, what, what what's happening and go to games and, and stuff like that which is obviously a privilege at this moment in time um, and, and there is a sense of momentum that's developed so I think Godfrey adds to that uh, the, the late loan signing of Robin Olsen to a much lesser extent. So let's hear from our Italian expert, James Horncastle, with the latest on the new goalkeeper, Robin Olsen. Robin Olsen was a Monchi signing when Monchi was the sporting director at Roma. And Monchi was a former goalkeeper. He's supposed to know good goalkeeping when he sees it. And he had the job of replacing Alisson. We all know how good Alisson has become. And Olsen really struggled at Roma in his first season. Look, there were big expectations because Alisson just wasn't, he wasn't only the best goalkeeper in Serie A, he was one of the best players in Serie A that season. And um, Roma were always going to miss him, particularly after coming off what that Champions League semi-final appearance. And Olsen suffered, I think, with the comparison. He ended up losing his place towards the end of the season. You know, also made a few gaffes, one notably against Frosinone, one of the promoted sides. But then he went on loan to Cagliari. And to be honest, he he kind of performed, I, I would suppose, to expectation there. He, he played quite well. He 
restored his reputation a bit. I, I think the issue for Olsen was that, again, he didn't finish the season as their starting goalkeeper. He returned to Roma when his loan was up um, at the end of, when would it be, June, and didn't play through lockdown with Cagliari. So I think he'll, he'll provide more competition for Pickford, but I would certainly say that his time in Italy has been mixed. Mm, so obviously a better CV in a way than Jonas Lossel uh, and obviously much more experienced than Joe Virginia but not a keeper Paddy from the sounds who's going to come in and be straight away I could be wrong but be straight away demanding Pickford's shirt and and I wouldn't expect to see you know Olsen walk into the team or anything like that No I'd be very very surprised if he did on the basis of what James had just said there and what other people have, have told me about Robin Olsen that's not to say that there's not some pedigree. We, we know he's a Swedish international. We know he's played for Roma. We know Monchi liked him and Everton have seen something in him. I think it was quite important though to mention that on transfer deadline day, Everton explored options for a number of goalkeepers. Uh, we, we reported this on the Athletic site. Paolo Gazaniga from Tottenham and Sergio Romero from Manchester United, both of whom they would have preferred on loan, but um, couldn't agree deals for. I think Tottenham's preference was for a permanent sale. Manchester United's preference as well was for a permanent sale of of Romero. And obviously we had that quite outspoken social media post from Romero's, I I think it's wife, although you'll have to correct me if it wasn't, who effectively just said, look, he's done everything for this football club that he could have done. Can we not just let him go? He deserves to be allowed to leave and he wants to leave. It's a shame that that didn't work out because while Olsen probably doesn't have the pedigree to come in and immediately challenge Jordan Pickford. Certainly we wouldn't expect to on the evidence of what we've we've seen and heard. I think Sergio Romero would have done. I, I do like Sergio Romero. And of the three goalkeepers that were mentioned to us yesterday, Olsen, Gazaniga and Romero, personally, he would have been my preference, Romero. We know Pickford's not had a great start to the season by any stretch of the imagination. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to see somebody, ideally I would have liked to see somebody that had the potential to displace him him under serious pressure or take his jersey long term and I'm not entirely sure Olsen does all of that but he does probably add greater pedigree as a number two if that's what they need it is what it is it's a it's a it's a signing a bit of cover and potentially somebody that if he does really well could get close to Pickford but I I don't think it's the the huge upgrade on on Lossell or even Pickford that maybe some fans had hoped looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think both Ancelotti and Marcel Brands have kind of done what they are here to do in this window. You know, Ancelotti's been the star factor in you know, Lightning Rod, who's attracted names like Alan and Jack James Rodriguez, um, whereas Brands has made a fair fair whack at getting rid of some of the sort of the drains on the wage bill. You know, Walcott in the end was moved on to Southampton, albeit you know, we think that they're not paying all those wages, but any reduction was helpful given his limited playing time. And Sandro Ramirez, in the end, they managed to find a solution there. Okay, they didn't make anything or didn't make anything back on him, but they didn't spend the biggest fee on him. The problem with him was obviously getting the, these wages somewhere in the region of 
90 grand a week, some people have spoken about even more off the wage bill, and that's that's done. And um, okay, obviously, there were other players that went much earlier in, in the in the window, like Nias and Schneidlin in June. But as you point out, as well, there's, there's still room for, for Besic maybe to go. Balassi, Portuguese window doesn't close till I think it's October the 25th. So uh, we might well be in, in a, well, we are in a healthier state despite bringing in some of those brilliant players. That's an interesting point you make there because if you add up the collective wages of all the guys that departed, some of whom for small transfer fees, some of whom just either released or decided to retire in Leighton Baines' case. Baines, Schneidlin, Garbert, Niasch, Stecklenberg, Dahl. The ones later in the window, Theo Walcott, Southampton will pay half of his wages. We, we believe it around, I think his full wages are about 100 grand a week. Sandro Ramirez, 80-ish. When you, when you add up that total... It, it's a considerable amount of money, even though Everton haven't brought in transfer fees for those guys. And even bringing in Hammers on decent wages, Ducore, Alan, Godfrey, and, and a few others, and Kunku, Olsen. I, I don't actually I don't actually believe that Everton are in, in a worse position here. I think they, in terms of the wage bill, are, are slightly better off. So that that's, that's cause for optimism. Like we said, there's still a chance to cut that bill down even further and they do need to do that. They've spoken time and time again and we've spoken time and time again about the need to trim the wage bill. Ancelotti has said that he has too many players and um, I thought it was quite funny actually the last time he spoke ahead of a game he was asked about keeping everybody happy. And he, he actually said, it's not my job to keep everyone happy. I'm the manager, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get results. And, and yes, it would be lovely if everyone is happy. It's not my job, that was an exact quote, to do that. And the challenge is now that Everton still have a squad of around 30 senior players. So anybody they can get off the bill helps in that regard. Brands has often spoken about his optimal number between 23 and 25 and Carlo would like the same, kind of more or less one for every position apart from the goalkeepers. And, and there they like three or four to be training day in, day out. I, I think there's, there's been progress in a number of different ways in this window. We've seen that tangibly on the pitch up to now. Uh, and while that needs to continue, and we want to see that continue, the, the early indications are that Everton have done a good job here. So so yeah, credit where it's due. Um, I think this this could in theory, end up being Everton's best window for quite some time. Certainly, it was a good window, or, or the start of it was, on a personal note for Ancelotti as well, because he's got possibly the most generous boss in every sense. So the opening game of the season, win over Spurs, and what does Mashiri go and, and decide to reward Ancelotti with? Bear in mind, Mashiri, he's got a fondness for Arsenal. He spent all that time on the board with Alicia Rosmanov, um, lives in London. First win there since 2008, wasn't it? He, he goes and buys him uh, Rolls Royce. So now not just any Rolls Royce, but I mean, I, I don't even know. Could you imagine trying to get a quote for insurance on what on what he ends up buying him? But it was a it was a black badge Cullinan for Rolls Royce or car aficionados. It's basically one of these ridiculous, this huge SUV types, mm. butter rolls. Um, I think it goes. You, you start in prices about three hundred twelve thousand pound, right. and uh, there it was at Goodison Park <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> Unbelievable, such a generous boss, eh, Pat? Yeah, well, he, he is, isn't he? And I think that's one of the things you could always say about Farhad Mashiri, that while the execution of Everton's strategy has not always been right, we've seen that with the failures of Ronald Koeman and, and Steve Walsh, some of which we're st- still counting the cost of now in terms of wage bill and other things. What you can say about Mashiri is that 
he has done everything possible financially to make this work. And I think the latest transfer window, I mean, you, you're using the example there of of the, the company car, if you want to call it that, that has been given to Ancelotti. He's obviously managed to, to snare Ancelotti and get a manager of his calibre to Everton anyway. But this window, again, is another example, even though I don't necessarily go along with the, the big spending Everton shouts that I keep seeing in the in the rest of the media, aren't they? Like ninth for, for net spend mm-hmm. this this summer that doesn't really strike me as being big spending and what would what would the guys at the top what would we say about them for for net spend but it's, it is yeah. it is an, it's another example of Everton Everton backing a manager another example of Everton trying to give the manager what they can and we, we made a point when we wrote back in December about Ancelotti coming in and how they got him that the conversation was we will do whatever we can Whenever you've got something that you want, we will try, if we're able to, we will try to make sure that that happens. And he's asked for players in this window. He's asked for James Rodriguez. He asked for Pierre-Emile Hoiberg as well and didn't quite get him, but then did get the consolation prize of Alain, who looks a really astute purchase. And he, Ancelotti is obviously happy with. He's asked for, for Ducore. And Everton have sanctioned those sales and they've they, they negotiated, I think, firm market prices for some of those guys. Again, not just Carlo to, to to thank for that and to praise for that. There are other members of the negotiating team that deserve due credit as well. And Mishiri is doing everything he can to, to take Everton to the next level. I, I don't think the the motivation has ever been up for dispute. We're now starting to see some signs, admittedly early signs, that things are picking up. And they're definitely on the pitch. Things are looking much, much more rosy, aren't they? They certainly are, yeah. Uh, I don't think he can... He can do any more, really, from his point of view, and he's got the manager now. I think who can, um, you know, who can start to show him some return on his investments finally. So if that's uh, if that takes a little uh, perk like like a BMW, then I'm, I'm I certainly won't lose any sleep over that. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We've got Saturday's game, which kind of like encapsulates the feel-good factor around uh, Everton at the moment. Um, but before we mention that, let's just look at the players that, that still may leave just quickly because I know we did mention it. So you've got Balassi still, you know, obviously Ancelotti was quite open about him not really having a place in the plans. Uh, some fans are a bit divided on that. There's some school of thought that he should be given a chance. Now it's just Besic, isn't it? So those two, do you think Balassi might yet have a swan song to his career or do you think it's just a matter of waiting for the right, uh, the right exit for him? It's all, it's all about opportunities, isn't it? Whether whether it's at Everton or elsewhere. Now, it's, it's not a given that Yannick Balassi leaves Everton Football Club in this current financial climate. 
so there's a chance potentially that he stays. The, the problem is, is if, if he stays, who's ahead of him in the pecking order in those wide positions? I, I let, Let's say James is playing from the right more often than not. And then you've got Iwobi, Bernard, Anthony Gordon, Richarlison, who plays from the left if, if Calvert-Lewin's fit. That's an, that's an awful lot of people ahead of him to get games. And sure, you can impress, but I think it was pretty ca- categorical from from Ancelotti over over Balassi. Um It was kind of firmer as well than I think we've seen Carlo be before when discussing players and, and, and potential outgoings. So it, it doesn't seem like he's he's likely to be in, in the plans. And I think for Balassi, it's now a case of can he get regular games somewhere? Can he go on? And even if it is dropping down to a championship club, for example, a Reading or a, a Nottingham Forest or a Derby County, whoever it may be, just trying to get some games under his belt and get back to, to where he was. I, I just think he's been really unfortunate, Balassi. At, at Everton, I, I remember his early his early time under Ronald Koeman when he came in and he was set, setting up goals for Lukaku. They had a great partnership. Obviously spoke Lingala together, didn't they? And had that really strong connection off the pitch too. And as a result, I, th- I think we saw them flourish together on it. And then he he picked up that terrible, terrible injury, which I think it, it hurts any player and it's difficult for any player to come back from. But particularly a guy like Balassi, who was all about explosion, about getting away from defenders and using the fast twitch to to do kind of really interesting things with a, with a football. He's still much quicker than most most players, I would suggest, but it is about him. As Carlo has said, it's about him. If he wants regular games, it'll probably have to come elsewhere at this stage. So I, I wish him the best. I think obviously he's um, he's become a popular figure on social media over the past six months or so because of his interaction with Everton fans, because of his association, how he's associated to Everton Football Club after wins when players have done well. Uh, and he seems like a really nice guy for all intents and purposes. So um I would just wish him luck, whatever happens. He's obviously one of those guys with, say, Bessic, Matty Pennington, Josh Bowler, Nathan Broadhead, that will be looking for an EFL club between now and and the close of the window in in 10 days' time. Um, And hopefully some of those guys get it because I think it would benefit them and it would benefit Everton too. It certainly just feels right at the moment. there is, I feel like there is strength and depth. And that was was underlined by Saturday's game, wasn't it? You, You covered it. Um, and wrote a really interesting piece. But if you haven't read it, um, I, I employ you to do so. Just about how Rodriguez, his impact raising standards across the board, and, and Paddy's piece reflected that. But it was another really impressive win, wasn't it? In many ways, this, this could well have been up there with with Spurs away and Palace away as as one of Everton's toughest tests so far. Yeah. While Brighton didn't necessarily get results in their opening three games, they actually did look really good particularly in an attacking sense. And I, I saw bits of their game against Manchester United at the Amex in, in week three, and they were comfortably the better side. Hit the woodwork, was it four or five times? Mainly through Trossard on the left and deserved, for my money, at least a point, potentially three. So I knew this was going to be a challenge anyway for Everton. But particularly so when you looked at the fact that even though Richarlison was past fit to play, he still had a bit of trouble with his ankle Alan was out. We know how important Alan is now to the balance of that Everton side. And various other players, the injury list in the end was was pretty extensive. And there were, there were further problems for Richarlison and others. 
Seamus Coleman during the game. Thankfully, none of the injuries at all seem particularly serious of any of the new injuries. Seamus Coleman's was described as a small problem, even though he's not going away with Ireland. Richarlison, I think, will go away with Brazil. Again, not considered his ankle, not considered too troublesome. Gomez missed the game. Alan missed the game. Both at this stage in with a good chance of being back, according to Ancelotti, for the Merseyside derby on, what is it, the 17th. Add up all those players and Moise Keane, who, who obviously then went to, to, to PSG on loan. And there are a lot of problems to overcome there. And I think sometimes people were looking at this Everton squad and thinking, what happens if James gets injured? Or what happens if Alan gets injured? Well, actually, what happened with, with Alan? We, we, we saw on, on Saturday, Tom Davis came in and played at the base of the midfield three. And I thought he was really quite good. A mature performance from Tom, where he got about the pitch, made his tackles and kept his, his distribution pretty simple. Gilfie Sigurdsson replaced Andre Gomez. And Everton have got a lot of depth now in that position to the left of, of the central midfield. Sigurdsson, Bernard, Iwobi can play in that role. Gomez can play in that role. Uh, Sigurdsson. Was, was was good again. Has had a pretty understated but good start to the campaign. Mm. A good response to being dropped initially from the Premier League starting lineup. He digs out a cross on his weaker foot, his left foot, for, for Calvert Lewin's goal. And then there are problems during the game that they have to respond to. So all of that, or the, the context of all of this, makes it difficult Saturday for Everton, a potential banana skin. But they were they, they were comfortably the better side on the day and fully deserved their win. I think what, what's really evident for me um, is the impact of the new signings and how intelligent Ducore is in his positioning and his movement. He's added balance to that to that midfield in the way that Alan has done and the way James has done in attack. But it, it also the, the the way there's such confidence here in this in this side. Michael Keane striding up from the back with the ball. Seamus Coleman looking like a million dollars and, and probably the best we've seen for, for, from Seamus Coleman for a good while. All these things mentioned in the piece, by the way. And they've got a, a, an attacking setup that makes it look as though they're going to carve chances out at every opportunity, more or less score goals whenever they venture forward. They're, they're obviously scoring threes, fours and fives every game. The threat is varied, the, the attack. You've got Hammers creating, Iwobi coming off the bench and creating some lovely passes from him for the third and fourth goals for Hammers. You've got the aerial ability of Calvert-Lewin, the penalty box poaching of Calvert-Lewin. Richarlison runs in field. Luca Dean's crossing, which helps again with Calvert-Lewin. And then you've got the aerial ability of Michael Keane and Yerry Mina from set pieces. Coleman bombing down the right. So the level of... Whereas in the past, Everton basically played in an attacking sense through Luca Dean. And if you shut down his crosses, you went a long way to shutting down Everton. If you do that now, Everton will switch the ball over to the other side quickly to, to Coleman and Hammers. And then the defence, the opposition defence gets pulled across and then Everton can switch it back. And I, I just think there are lots of different ways for Everton to, to score goals and, and create chances here. And that makes them a dangerous proposition at the moment from the for for, for Premier League opponents, Premier League peers. So yeah, another another job well done, particularly in light of the injury situation. Um it's almost like whatever the universe puts in front of Everton, they um they managed to come out the other side stronger and that is a very, very good sign uh, ahead of the rest of the season.
Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it is a case of resi- there's a growing resilience and, um, you know, we're going to need it in the next fixture in terms of, we, we, you know, we will cause any defence problems. And certainly if Liverpool were going to turn up in the forthcoming Merseyside derby and play like they did at uh, Aston Villa, we'd cause them all sorts of problems. I don't expect them to play like that for, for in fairness. Uh, I think we all know that it was probably not the ideal result. But then again, maybe, you know, if the start to Everton season can't, sort of diminish some of our negativity going into a derby than nothing can. It's going to be one of the more evenly contested games or should be one of the more evenly contested games in a long time. We will, we will of course, be previewing that quite a bit over the next couple of weeks. But initial thoughts are, please let Rodriguez and Richarlis and so on and so forth come back from the international break and then their games in South America unharmed. That's going to be a big question mark, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, it very, very evident for the fixture after the international break to be Liverpool at home at Goodison, both in terms of there not being a crowd there and also James playing for Colombia just days before, all the way on the other side of the world. Richarlison will also travel. Yeri Mina will also travel. And I think it's, is it, is it around 19 players, both first team and, and under 23 that are going to be playing international games over the next couple of weeks. Three with England, England senior side, Gareth South, Southgate's team after Calvert-Lewin's call up as well. So you'd ideally want these lads to be putting their feet up for a couple of weeks, taking a bit of a breather after a pretty hectic start to the campaign. James in particular strikes me as the one that is slightly vulnerable and Ancelotti's already been asked about him and his availability for the derby and he said it'll all be about how he recovers from the trip back and the games that he plays if he's not a hundred percent if he's not in tip-top shape then he might have to go on the bench for the derby and this is what i mean about it being absolutely typical that this happens to everton it couldn't just be like west brom at home or another even just a middling side in the Premier League, it has to be a Merseyside derby. So yeah. you're cursing a little bit about that, but you just got to hope that Everton and the various national teams around the, the globe are doing and will do all they can to make sure those players are, are kept kind of in in shape and fit. Let let's just see where we are at the. the on the other side of this international break. <laughs> um, but it's not ideal. No, it's, it's it's really, really not ideal. And it's a shame to be having to say that, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. But then, you know, uh, our next opponents are in the same boat. And, uh, you know, most clubs are going to be keeping their fingers crossed uh, that their players come back on skates. So it's not just us. And we have, of course, got that all-important momentum. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. We hope you've uh, enjoyed this podcast. Um We'll be back, like I say, next week to start focusing really on the build-up to a very, very intriguing Mayside Derby at Goodison Park. Cheers for listening and we'll see you soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.